Thanks be to God. What is it? Between last week's text, wherein God delivers the Israelites from the Egyptian army, and today's text, the Israelites have celebrated the Lord's victory over Pharaoh. I am has prevailed. Moses' sister Miriam led the people in an extended period of worship with her tambourine. But after three days' travel into the wilderness where there was no water, finally the people came to Shur. There was water in Shur, but it was too bitter to drink. The place was called Mara, meaning bitterness. In that place, God showed Moses a piece of wood and told him to throw it into the water. And that somehow miraculously made the bitterness sweet. The text says it was there that the Lord made a statute and an ordinance saying, If you will listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight and give heed to his commandments and keep all his statutes, I will not bring upon you any of the diseases that I brought upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. From the outset, God has a plan to reform this people into the people of God. And so we enter today's text, which sits in the uncomfortable place between departure and destination. Like it seems to do for many of us, long spans with adverse conditions seem to bring out the worst in the people. Israel was in the second month after their departure from Egypt, long enough to face hardship and question whether freedom was worth the cost. The text reads, The whole congregation of the Israelites complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. The Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the flesh pots and ate our fill of bread, for you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. The text says literally that the people were murmuring against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And I think every parent has a pet peeve one that peeves them more than anything else. And this is mine. I cannot stand murmuring, muttering, or mumbling. If one of my children has something to say to me, if anybody has something to say to me, I hope they will respect themselves and me enough simply to say it to me rather than murmur under their breath. I find it frustrating to no end and I am likely to mete out consequences for the children for muttering. But God's response to the people's murmuring is far different from mine. We find in this text a God who is big enough for people to complain, big enough even to satisfy their complaining needs. After God saved them from Pharaoh, after God saved them from the encroaching army, after God led them by cloud and fire, after God had made their bitterness sweet, Still, the Israelites think longingly of what they had in Egypt, where they were enslaved and working all day and night. For there they had flesh pots and bread. Flesh pots, if you don't know, are these large metal kettles where one cooks meat. And apparently they got to sit by the kettles as they cooked. The people reminded Moses and Aaron that in Egypt they also had all the bread they could eat. Here, however, in this desert place, they lacked sufficient water and had no food. If only we had good water, if only we had good food, if only we could return to our enslavement in Egypt. These if-onlys pervade the wilderness narrative. 
The text continues. The Lord said to Moses, I'm going to rain bread down from heaven, and each day the people shall go out and gather enough for that day. In that way, I will test them whether they will follow my instructions or not. On the sixth day, when they prepare what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they gather on other days. So Moses and Aaron said to all the Israelites, In the evening you shall know that it was the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt. And in the morning you shall see the glory of the Lord, because he has heard your complaining against the Lord. For what are we that you complain against us? And Moses said, When the Lord gives you meat to eat in the evening and your fill of bread in the morning, because the Lord has heard you complaining, what are we? Your complaining is not against us, but against the Lord. Though God had only promised bread, the people had complained to Moses about bread and meat. So Moses promises them both. Then Moses says to his brother, Say to the whole congregation of the Israelites, Draw near to the Lord, for he has heard your complaining. So the people drew in closer. And as Aaron spoke to the whole congregation of the Israelites, they looked toward the wilderness, and the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. This real presence of God was once again with the people. In their victory, in their worship, in their hunger and thirst, And even in their complaining, I am, was, and is, and will for all generations be present. The Lord spoke to Moses and said, I have heard the complaining of the Israelites say to them, At twilight you shall eat meat, and in the morning you shall have your fill of bread. Then you shall know that I am the Lord your God. In the evening quails came up and covered the camp, and in the morning there was a layer of dew around the camp. When the layer of dew lifted there on the surface of the wilderness was a fine flaky substance, as fine as frost on the ground. Moses made a promise and God made good. And yet when the Israelites saw it, they said to one another, what is it? For they did not know what it was. Moses said to them, it is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. Manna is a play on words, for in Hebrew, mana means What is it? And that is precisely what the Israelites ask of this fine, flaky substance God calls bread. Apparently, it covered the ground abundantly like frost, tasted like wafers and honey, and was about the size of a coriander seed. But this was a food they had never seen before, and it certainly didn't seem like bread. The people have all kinds of questions in the wilderness, beyond just, why have you brought us here to die, and... What is it? Questions about who they are and who God is and what they are destined to do. Callie Plunkett Brewerton writes, The need for bread in this early stage of the journey out of Egypt provides both God and God's people with an opportunity to understand and to trust the other. Throughout the narrative, the people struggle to trust and to follow God. And God struggles to know and to nurture this fledgling community of former slaves. It is the wilderness experience that makes Israel a nation. It is the wilderness experience that shows them who they are and who God is. It takes the wilderness experience to reshape their minds from being a people whose sovereign is Pharaoh to a people governed by the God who was and is and who always will be. 
They are learning to trust the God who causes things to come to pass. The Israelites must greet every new experience with the question, what is it? Simply because it is uncharted territory for them. As we look back over our first year of mutual ministry, I think it's safe to say that this is uncharted territory for us too. When we agreed that I would become your pastor, I could not have seen on the horizon a global pandemic ravaging a new civil rights movement, emerging fire consuming millions upon millions of acres, floods and locusts and murder hornets and hurricanes and earthquakes the world over. I had a plan. As the old saying goes, man plans and God laughs. And while perhaps my theology doesn't line up with such a statement, it certainly feels true. Like the Israelites, we find ourselves on unknown terrain. We find ourselves sometimes looking longingly at times gone by and romanticizing the lives we left behind. Our own version of flesh pots and unlimited supplies of bread. Yet we conveniently forget the bondage in which we were held, the bondage many sacrificed to let us free. Here we are clinging to that which is gone, fearful of what lay ahead. Here we are unsure of who we're becoming. Yet here we are too in this place, in this moment, witnessing the faithfulness of God who is providing for us in these difficult times. May the Exodus tale serve to guide us today much as the pillar of cloud and fire served Israel in its hour of emancipation. But we are not like the Israelites in at least one sense. While they were coming to know God during their wilderness experience, we have known ours, most of us, for our entire lives. Stephen Charleston writes, Now is the moment for which a lifetime of faith has prepared you. All of these years of prayer and study, all of the worship services, all of the time devoted to a community of faith, it all comes down to this. This sorrowful moment when life seems chaotic and the anarchy of fear haunts the thin borders of reason. Your faith has prepared you for this. It has given you the tools you need to respond, to proclaim justice while standing for peace. Long ago, the Spirit called you to commit your life to faith. Now you know why. You are a source of strength for those who have lost hope. You are a voice of calm in the midst of chaos. You are a steady light in the days of darkness. The time has come to be what you believe. The Israelites asked of God's provision, what is it? As we step into our second year of ministry together, it is my hope that we too will ask, what is it? What is it from which God has saved us? What is it from which God has delivered us? What is it that God has provided for us? What is it that we are failing to see in our current circumstance? What is it that God wants to heal in us? What is it that God wants to teach us about our identity? What is it that God wants to make of us as a people? I hope we will do the hard and holy work 
of discerning that together. Amen. Our last hymn today is number 348, Hiding in Thee.